a moment or two to the angry young man With his foot in his mouth and his heart in his hand He's been stabbing the back, he's been misunderstood It's a comfort to know his intentions are good And he sits in a room with a lock on the door With his maps and his medals laid out on the floor And he likes to be known as the angry young man Uh, Paul, can I just say how relaxing it is that we just, we, we, it's going to sound terrible, but how relaxing it is we don't have a guest today. You know, we love to hype up our guests, but honestly, we are so thrilled to be rid of y'all. It's just the boys <laughs> today. We're just, we're just chilling here. Uh, don't get me wrong, because I love having guests here, and it's been great, and the people that have joined us have been so fun to host, but God damn it, is it just good to have me and you in the studio today, Paul? Oh yeah, and also just for like... A regular ass episode like the last yeah. episode we did just the two of us was one of those special end of year ones and that that was a good one if you guys haven't checked it out uh we took all of our uh positive rants and found something negative to say about them uh, it was a good time but it's it's good to be back for just a regular episode just me and zach it's been like a month since we've done a regular episode, but we, in that month we put out one episode a week i think which yeah it's been we've insane <laughs> For for an episode that prides ourselves on how laid back and lazy we are, I'm surprised how much content we've been putting out there. It's been it's been fun. <laughs> I feel like also today, I think we can just safely ignore any dating app topics. We have just <laughs> we're gonna have to wait on Hinge Binge to next time because we have successfully beaten that topic into a coma, and I'm just so sick of talking about it. Yeah. I... I, I think we've we've developed something pretty cool with Hinge Binge. We're now bringing on Hinge matches onto the show. Apparently, it's going really well. Uh, but my, let's let's just leave it to rest this week. I agree. Yeah, it's, I've heard enough. Um, not not that I mean, if you ask me in person, I just talk about it for the next two and a half hours. But here, it's a safe space. We need to give a break from from that. Oh, think, certainly from that yeah. dead horse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, don't don't to our fans who are disappointed hearing that because they're only here for the dating content. Don't worry, <laughs> it will be back. It'll uh, return we, with a vengeance. We always have something to say about it, but uh, we're we're just taking a little break. Uh, welcome to episode thirty-nine. I think is that correct? I literally have no idea. I, I'll, I, I believe whatever number you tell me. Welcome. I'll say it confidently. Hey, hey, welcome to episode thirty-nine of Not All Bad, and I'm Zach Andrews. This is Paul Messman. Um, so I think this is kind of important to actually take seriously this time because I tend to blow through it because it feels rote, but, um, maybe we have people listening for the first time today. Uh, so yeah, if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome, glad to have you here. Um, here's how the show is going to work. And, and, and last several times I've said this, I've had to add the caveat that this is how the show usually works, but not today, but no, no today on this episode 39, um, I'm about to describe to you exactly what's going to happen because this is not a gimmicky episode. This is a regular ass episode and I'm so thankful for it. Mm, mm-hmm. Paul and I are each going to, uh, rant on a topic that we've, we've, uh, hand selected from our lives, something that's pissed us off lately. And then, uh, after we've each had our, uh, turn going over that, we're going to pull a topic out of a hat that's submitted by you, one of our wonderful listeners. We're going to randomly draw one and force ourselves to come up with something negative to rant about that. And then, uh, each of us are going to wrap the show up by talking about something that, uh, instead of making us angry has made us happy so we can end on a positive note. And that's how the show usually goes. And that's what's going to happen today. Uh, you can find the show on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes, Overcast, and I think that's all of them. I don't know. I really should write it down, but I just try to do it off the dome every time. <laughs> and if, I do it in a different order. If you listen to podcasts, I'm sure you can find it. If you're listening to this, you've probably already found it. Yeah, you're but. probably set. Um, when we release episodes uh, typically every other Monday. So uh, leave a review on iTunes if you if you have the time. We actually just got one, uh, a new one, after our second quarantine bonus Oh, that's episode. right. Yeah, so we have a we have a policy. We typically read them out loud on the air, so uh, might as well give this one attention too. This is by D. Cole ninety five. The title of the uh, review is Brenna. It was five stars, so thank you, D. Cole ninety five. And uh, the review was Brenna was a great addition. You should keep her. With God, how many is that? Looks to be about ten exclamation points. Eight. That is quite a few. 
They mean business. I'm sorry, I'm seven. Seven okay. exclamation okay. points. Well, we, you we really could have gone for the extra mile for eight, but... <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't like Brenna that much. It's, it's only seven. Uh, Brenna was a great addition, though. She that was. That is true. Uh, we actually told her she's never allowed back because she was too good and she will end up stealing the show from us. So Yeah, if we continue to get reviews like this, I will have to resign. And it's just going to be Brenna because um, we actually had a ton of positive feedback on that episode. So I'm glad that, that you liked it. Um, I liked it yeah, too. Yeah, thank you. Let's see. Uh, so um, we're also on Twitter at Not All Bad Show. And you can email us at notallbadshow at gmail.com. You can email us there if you're interested in becoming a guest on the show, which I think we've got several lined up for the future. So um, yeah. we're, kinda, we're at a pretty big backlog right now. Th- that's why we're valuing this episode so much because we, we know that's going to be a while till we get another one like this. Not that we right. hate our guests. We just hate our <laughs> guests. Uh. <laughs> uh, and then also you can submit random rant topics for us to, uh, to rant on uh, at the email, not all bad show at gmail.com. Uh, th- there's no way in hell that I'm going to, recall which one of us went first <laughs> uh, on the on the negative rants last uh, normal episode so do you oh boy. <laughs> do you have do you have a preference i i think you should go first okay um well i think it's finally time that on this episode i address a long-standing problem that i've raised again and again here and there and i just haven't ever taken the time to fully lay out my thoughts oh, um, on the matter and it's about time. It's it's due time that I, I rant on this long anticipated topic. I think if anticipated anticipated by you most of all. Yeah, definitely me. I I, I know it's going to be. Go ahead. Um, stand up comedy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I don't like stand up comedy. In fact, um, I I dislike it quite a bit. I don't want to say hate, but um, it's probably on the borderline of that. Um, and this is really, truly going to be an honest-to-God rant. I don't think this is necessarily going to be as funny as we typically hope to achieve. It's just going to be me uh, kind of becoming unhinged and just frantically spewing garbage about this topic. Um, yeah, and, and what's what's fun about this topic also is I think we are on the record already disagreeing about this because stand-up comedy has been either directly or tangentially related to my like good topics, my positive rants <laughs> multiple times at this point. So I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. <laughs> this is going to introduce some atypical uh, friction between us two, mm. I think, which I'm excited to anticipate. Um, <laughs> I am somebody who takes comedy very seriously, which I, is a statement I love to say, because first of all, it's such a ridiculous oxymoron. Oh, and yeah. second of all, it just is like the most pretentious dumbass thing that I could ever say. Mm-hmm. But comedy is really important to me, and I think uh, being funny is probably one of my very few natural talents. And I hope that I hope that you all agree to some degree, or else you're just gonna hate this podcast. But uh, I think stand-up comedy is kind of in violation of what truly makes something funny. So I'm gonna start by saying um, my the kind of the thesis of this argument is there is a huge difference, in my opinion, between what it means to be good at stand-up and what it means to be funny. Um, hmm, so a person okay. who a person who is genuinely funny, a really funny person, um, might actually not be good at stand-up. And I think that's a pretty easy thing for, for people to wrap their heads around. It's like public speaking or pre-planning your jokes. Um, all that stuff um, very possibly might be hard for you to do even if you are funny. I don't think hmm. that's a controversial statement. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. No, you're good. Um, I think we can all think of. I think we can I, all I, think I, of I people think who that, are funny, but yeah. are not necessarily going to be good stand-up comedians. You know. Yeah, I agree. The controversial side is the flip side of that argument, where I firmly believe that most people who are good and famous for stand-up comedy are actually not um, good at being funny. Do do you do you mind me asking who comes to mind for that? I I don't mean I, to put you on the spot and make do you, you talk mind shit. what I, like I, a person. Like, are there any famous people that you that come to mind for you when you think this is the face of stand up comedy and they're not funny? Um, I <laughs> this is kind of exposing me a little bit because I don't listen to stand up enough to know uh, to memorize a lot of names. That's fair. I, I understand. Be, I, this that this I does not like discredit it. you. I I understand. Uh, but there are a lot of people out there who um, I'll get into. Some, I'll get into some examples of stand-up 
types of stand-up comedy I've heard um, mm-hmm. that I, I don't think is funny, but but makes for quote-unquote good stand-up, and maybe mm-hmm. you can fill in the blanks on who that might apply to. Okay, yeah. Because um, I have opinions both strongly positive and f- fairly negative about stand-up, so, so I might be able to help you out in some cases. <laughs> sure. Um, this, so far, you're being especially cordial <laughs> on, this, <laughs> on this disagreement. Um, he, so let, let's just let's get into kind of what I was indicating a little bit ago. Here, here are a list of skills that I think most people who are good at stand-up use as crutches to prop up their stand-up career uh, without being funny. Because their 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 job as a stand-up comedian is not to be funny, but is it is to convince the audience that they are being funny. If that's <laughs> there's a slight distinction there. Interesting. But okay, it's important. Um, so the a list of skills that people who are good at stand up use, um, to be good at stand up, not necessarily be funny, being really good at storytelling, being a great mm-hmm. storyteller doesn't mean you're funny. It just means you're a good storyteller. Being really good at knowing when to toss in a bad word or controversial statement for the shock effect, not necessarily funny, but, uh, a characteristic that a lot of people are good at, um, at stand up. And, and I think that. There's certain people that really, really lean in on, like, for example, I think uh, this is kind of not exactly, this is like a a very surface level investigation on, like, not not a deep cut at all. I feel like Gabriel Iglesias, for example, is somebody who, his, almost his entire stand-up strategy is completely focused on storytelling. Yeah. Um. Being and then the second point that I just made, uh, there are many people that I I can't name because their stand up I hated so much I didn't even finish the the special. Um, there are many stand up comedians who almost their entire strategy is to just say bad words and you're supposed to laugh yeah. at that, oh, or agree. say things that are they're like uh oh you're not supposed to say that you know like that's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then finally, I think this one is actually a little bit on I'm on the fence of. Um, a lot of people heavily rely on the crutch of being really good at voices and gestures to imitate people mm-hmm. or things. Yeah. That, I, I think, that is a bit of a gray area. I think you can, you know, I think a lot of times that is funny. Um, yeah. And then I, th- I think there are also a lot of examples where it's not funny, but it's made to convince you that it is funny, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, a very slight distinction. But um, I want to say, just because somebody is really good at these three things I listed doesn't mean they aren't funny. But yeah. it also doesn't mean that they are funny necessarily. That's fair. Because um, personally, I'm a big, big believer in in the value of improv comedy, um, and yeah. not and not necessarily in the sense of like being on an, in an improv troupe and having an audience member call out a topic and you have to joke on it. Not not ne- the definition isn't necessarily as strict as that. I just mean if you're not good at improvising jokes, you're not a funny person. If you aren't funny when people are just spending time with you and you're just being yourself and you don't have time to plan things ahead of time, you're not funny. You're just an actor playing a funny person on stage. You have to be funny on the fly to be a funny person. And I have a lot – I think probably that that paragraph is going to have a lot of people um, raising a lot of questions to try to trip me up here. So I'm going to address uh, two points that I think that brings up. Um, First – do I not think that stand-up comedians are funny in their own home or on their own or when they don't have time to pre-plan jokes? Second, do I not think actors who are actual actors who play funny roles in TVs and movie movies are funny people? So let's take the last question first. There is in so, so much effort that goes into an actor who is playing a comedic role in a TV show or movie. And some of that effort is present in the career of a stand-up comedian. But the stand-up comedian only has to succeed at one thing for something to be quote-unquote funny, and that is writing a joke and then telling it. The stand-up comedian controls the entire environment before and after the joke. There's no grand scheme or plan of how things have to fit together. One thing has to fall into place, and then the next thing has to fall into place one at a time. There's not a dozen things coming together. It's entirely premeditated and practiced until it's basically just memorization. But only one person has to do that memorization and do it right. 
when you make a TV show or movie, every single actor in the scene, every writer who's created the scene, cameraman and sound engineer have to come together to form a complete product. So I'm not saying that one is necessarily more valuable as comedy than the other, but I am saying that when you do a TV show or movie, it's not a fair comparison to stand-up comedy because you have a team of, you know, a dozen, 50, 100 people trying to make this one, you know, 10 second thing come together to be funny instead of one person mm-hmm. who has to focus on exactly one thing. And I don't think achieving that one thing successfully is, impre- is as impressive as we give it credit for. So I'm kind of like, this is now, like I said, this isn't going to be something that's funny. <laughs> I'm not being funny here, ironically. I'm just talking. I, I'm just ranting. So, Paul, if you have something, to, if you want to jump in and argue with me, I welcome it. Because I'm kind of just steamrolling yeah, here I, through I've my been, notes. I've been taking some notes. I, I have some things to say. I, I was going to let you get through your main points before I really hop in too much. Okay. I, I've got a couple more things, and, and we'll, I'm, okay. I'm wrapping up here. Okay. I want to go back to the two points I brought up earlier. Um, so now to the first question that... I'm imagining hypothetical listeners asking, uh, do I not think stand-up comedians are funny when they're not doing stand-up? My answer to that is I think most stand-up comedians who are famous thrive on the idea that you know that they have to be funny because they're famous stand-up comedians and therefore everything they say must be funny. I think there's a huge, huge factor into comedy momentum that's supporting their careers where if you're watching a, a Netflix special of this person, who, why would they have a Netflix special if they weren't funny in the first place? Right? So mm-hmm. as a, as a viewer, you're expecting that what they're saying, you already have a high expectation that it's going to be funny. And that plays into whether or not you think they're funny. I think if that person did the same set maybe, and you had never heard of them before at your local bar, you'd probably be not find it nearly as funny. So then that begs the question, well, how do they succeed in the first place? And I think, again, there's a big difference between how you are good at stand-up and how you are funny. Um, and also, I'm not saying that these stand-up comedians are not funny on stage necessarily. What I am saying is most of them know how to manipulate you to think they are way more funny than they actually are, not that they aren't funny ever, and then they just you know, they've like somehow brainwashed their audiences. I just think there's a big difference between how funny they are and how funny people think they are because of the art that they're able to perform well on stage. Mm -hmm. So I've just got, you know, one final caveat here that I'd like to add. Those are all the main points and I'm kind of running out of breath, but (laughs) (laughs) I just like to say that I don't hate all stand-up comedians and I don't even really hate stand-up as a concept. I just think it's way, way overhyped. And I think it doesn't deserve the reputation it has for a lot of people as the most quote unquote pure medium of comedy. (laughs) It's in my opinion, probably the furthest thing from what I would consider a pure version of comedy. That's not to say that it's not funny. It's not to say that I've never laughed at it, but I think that there, um, I just think that there's a big difference there and it's kind of unfair and it's a little bit overhyped. And, uh, I think there are a lot of examples of, of up comedians who are genuinely funny people. And who are actually very, very good at both being funny and stand-up. I just think a majority mm-hmm. of stand-up comedians get away with not actually being funny because they know how to be good at stand-up. And that is, that's everything I had to say on the matter, Paul. Um, I'm willing to entertain your, uh, your questions. I hope I can defend it <laughs> as eloquently as I've done so far. But answer, the truth is it's, it's probably not the case. No, no, you're good. And, and I, I understand your points. As someone who is generally a fan of stand-up comedy, I feel... An obligation to defend it, uh, but but it's, I'm not saying that you're wrong in my defense necessarily. Um, I mean, one thing I almost want to start with is I I do consider stand-up comedy to be a more pure fo- form, like like art form when it comes to comedy, but that doesn't necessarily make it better to me. Kind of in the same way that I think storytelling, in terms of book, is a purer storytelling because it's like you are exclusively telling the story with words and you are, it's up to you to choose words creatively enough to create like the, the story within the audience's head. And so similarly with stand up comedy, and this is true with like speech writing in general, you are, you're almost creating the comedy in the person's head by telling the story as opposed to a show or movie that, um, that is showing it to them and ha- can have music and 
editing to impact the timing. Granted, right. I think it's worth mentioning that the stand-up specials you're seeing on Netflix are also heavily edited. I think people sometimes don't realize that. Right. Um, but um, <clears throat> so so I, I I don't think that makes it better. But that that's why I view it as a pure art form because it is essentially whatever the performer wants it to be. And it's just up to them to control an audience. That That's what I mean by pure. I don't think that I buy pure that. necessarily means better. That makes um, sense. But yeah. And so I mean pure in terms of authentic too. I, I, I yeah. think it's less authentic. That, that Okay. I understand that. Um, and so, so I kind of, I kind of separate stand up comedy into two categories that, and some people can have both, but there's kind of, um, skill with writing and skill with performing. And, um, and there are some com comedians who are pretty good at both. I, I think a good and pretty famous example of someone who's good at both the performance and the writing would be John Mulaney. He's a pretty popular one. Um, I think he writes pretty well. And he's also someone who is perform like th just the way he's talking, like no one just talks like that <laughs> in right. person. Like that, that's very much a performance. Um, I also think for the record, John Mulaney, I don't know. His, I'm not super familiar with his stuff. I should be. I keep, I, I keep being told to watch him because as somebody who hates stand up, I'll still like him. Mm -hmm. I get that a lot. And I, I, what I've seen so far, he's one of the few people that I would say is somebody I believe to be actually a funny, per funny person and somebody who's good at stand up. Mm -hmm. He's one of the few that I would, I would give him that, that badge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, whether on the show or just like privately after the sec, I might recommend a few places to start where I think are good examples of stand up, but we'll, we'll get to that later on the show. Um, but okay. 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 Um, <laughs> so, and then another example that I almost have to bring up that, that came up when this topic was hinted at in a previous episode, I forget which guest it was, frankly, is Dave Chappelle in that I think Dave Chappelle is a great, I mean, it's almost unfair to bring him up in the sense that a lot of people consider him one of the greatest comedians to ever live. Mm -hmm. Um, but he... He describes why he considers stand-up an art form and something that was recently posted on Netflix. He, he received something called the Mark Twain Award, which is a comedy award uh, given out every year. And the, the Netflix, like, filmed it, and there's, like, a lot of different people that come up and talk about him and, like, what he did with, like, the, the Chappelle show and his stand-up over the years. And it includes a lot of clips from different um, stand-up specials. And so that is actually one place I almost recommend starting. It's not stand-up itself. It's like an award show it's like an hour-long thing but i really uh -huh. recommend it what'd you say i just said uh-huh okay um but yeah so here here's where i do agree with you the the funny thing about stand-up is i consider it something that there is probably a comedian somewhere that fits almost every stereotype or like every personality every stereotype and it's like I, I think liking stand-up is really a matter of finding a comedian who represents you well. And so, yeah. And the funny thing about it is I almost don't believe people who say that they just like all stand-up because what that tells me is they just like performative comedy. Mm -hmm. um, because there's, like, there's a lot of stand-ups I can list off right now that I like. But truth be told, there will be plenty of stand-ups that I'll be like, man, like lots of people seem to like this person. Let me check out their Netflix special. And it it is just cringy to me trying to watch it and be like, <laughs> if it stand-up is something that if it isn't clicking with you, then it is very unfunny. You've mentioned uh, that before. It's either for you, it's either extremely hit or extremely missed. Yeah, for the most th part. Th that's that's my opinion. Like there, there's lots of comedians I can list off for you that I, I personally like. Um, the ones I've mentioned so far, John Mulaney, Dave Chappelle are ones that I love. Um, but um, but but the ones that I don't like, man, it it is so. It, it it's like once it doesn't click with you, suddenly you're becoming hyper aware of how overperformed it is. Right. Um, right. Even for example, Chris D'Elia is someone I go back and forth on. Lots of people like Chris D'Elia. Um, and, and recently I finally started to kind of like his comedy. But there were several times where I watched a couple of his specials, and he is very much. You mentioned voices and gestures. He's very much one of those people that was that's like, <laughs> like on uh, one of his specials. I think it's called Man on Fire. He has this entire long thing about talking to Cubans, and he spends like five minutes 
like imitating a Cuban in Florida giving him directions where he's just like using his voice to make music and then like dancing except excessively and it's like (laughs) it's one of those things where it's like at first i was like oh this is funny and then i kept going i was like i can't tell if this is actually funny or if he's just being so ridiculous on stage in front of people that my brain is like ah it must be funny right that's what i'm saying that's a big factor yeah like i it's stand-up is really bizarre And, and here's and here's a point that you made. I, I I don't like him at all. I I I've tried to listen to him, and there I I I've never met anyone who doesn't like him. I can't stand the guy. I his comedy is everything <laughs> that I hate about comedy. It really is. Well, take and some I haven't so- listened. I haven't listened to him enough to make a comprehensive opinion. I'm just kind of throwing that out. Okay, there. but also I, when it comes to stand up comedy or comedy in general, I don't think it's fair to be like, no, you've got to like listen to multiple hour-long specials to like him like if you if you're not enjoying it i don't think it's fair to tell you that you have to keep listening yeah (laughs) yeah, that's not a fair (laughs) assessment like no you you'll only like him if you listen to three hours of him um (laughs) uh he he really is an example of like i have come to understand why people like him and and i i do i've come to like him he's not one of my favorites but he very much is a very performative like you're not even sure how he got up on stage in front of thousands of people other than just being so like bold. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. It, which brings me to my greater point, which is you mentioned that the interesting thing about stand up comedy is you probably have people, at least on a writing level, who are performing just as good of sets at your local like stand up place, but who just because they aren't recognized don't get the traction that someone who has a Netflix special is and people just assume right. someone with a special must be funny. That is something that I agree with. And that, that is something that is kind of complicated because if you listen to comedians, I, I love like I, I there's certain comedians I love. Like, like for example, I like Tom Segura and Christina Pajitsky a lot. Their uh-huh. husband and wife, each of them independently have their own comedy careers. I've mentioned their podcast on here several times. It's called we've talked about it. Yeah. Your mom's house. There's something that they mentioned that almost rubs me the wrong way, though, is they always talk about how stand-ups are very, like, like the industry is very callous towards new faces, and they want everyone to have to tour the country, like, taking out loans because they can't make a living off of it, and, like, suffering horrible audiences for, like, a decade before they're accepted as a good comedian. And that, that bothers me. Somewhat, because it's kind of like, and, and that's not just their opinion. That's just where I happen to hear it frequently because I listen to that podcast. Right. And th- that is something that bothers me sometimes is that like, there's this idea that like, as long as you're committed enough, you'll make it through like almost the gauntlet of like having to do shows that aren't good. And then eventually you'll become funny. And it's almost like, yes, there is something to be said for the experience of like, how to win over an audience when they don't think you're funny. Like I, I can see how that would develop you into a better comedian. And also like, 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 like the idea of doing it so long, you like it, it, you must become a better performer by the time you're doing it for a decade. Right. But at the same time, I think I almost get frustrated because it's almost like if you, st- if you work that hard and stick around long enough, like, of course you're going to get to the point of people like thinking you're funny and finding an audience. And it's, it's frankly, it reminds me of, so I have friends that I think are hilarious, even in the things that are less funny, just because I've known them so long that I already think they're funny. Right. And it, it's almost like, and that's not a knock to my friends. It's more that like, and compared to standup comedy, there's comedians I already think are funny. And so I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt with every single joke. Um, right. And and I almost think that that's a weird thing that I almost think TV shows and movies don't like. I I feel like TV shows and movies people are more willing to be like, oh, that wasn't that funny, even if it's like an actor they like. But it's like for stand up for some reason people get this weird cultish thing about like, like it's funny just because you know the person you're laughing at them telling a story. Um. Yeah, that's a good point. It's. It's an interesting comparison. Um, I, I know I'm kind of just going on and on. I, I'll bring up one more point. <laughs> I fell into the same trap. <laughs> I'll, I'm just going to bring up one more point as almost a counter argument, which is that stand up is interesting because I don't think it has to be always funny. There are st- some stand up comedians who, who operate under the impression that you have to make the audience laugh like every like 
10 seconds or you'll lose yeah. the attention. And I kind of hate that because that leads to just a bunch of contrived punchline based jokes that like get cheap laughs. Right. But I'll bring up again, Dave Chappelle. What I like about Dave Chappelle is that he, he is a storyteller, which I know that you <laughs> treated with disdain earlier in this no, race. No, again, it just because you're a good storyteller and that's your approach to comedy. Doesn't mean that you are or not funny. It's just, doesn't, it doesn't guarantee you one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, but it, it, there's a certain idea that like you don't, when it comes to con- captivating audience, you don't have to be funny as long as you're at least interesting. I think Dave Chappelle is the epitome of being so interesting that people don't care that he's not always being funny. But it, I actually think what bothers me the most is comedians who operate under the guise of, I have to make you laugh like every few seconds. So I have to put in, the, like, rush in these cheap jokes like every other line or punch lines throughout whatever I'm talking about. And it's like, it, I think that takes away from, like, overall bigger points. But, right. But yeah, in regards to comedians I like, I'll, I'll conclude by suggesting some people. Um, right. I, I would say. I think Dave Chappelle is a good place to start. Like I said, um, if you're looking for like, what is like considered to be the best version of standup by people in and out of the industry is probably Dave Chappelle. Um, a good entry point for a lot of people is D- John Mulaney. He, I remember in college seeing one of his specials was one of the first times I was like, Oh wait, I like standup comedy. Like I, I didn't think I liked <laughs> it before that. Yeah. Um, I personally like Tom Segura a lot. Um, so that's worth mentioning a recent one also um is taylor tomlinson she has a netflix special i actually found that really funny um i don't want to just mention male comedians so i'm gonna at least mention that one uh (laughs) very progressive i've actually never heard of her either um she she, i i'm i was impressed by how good it was because i had never heard of her and i liked it immediately when i was watching it um okay and yeah, I, I also like Michelle Wolf. She's actually pretty funny. Um, sh- she was in controversy for... She essentially hosted the last White House Correspondents Dinner, which is kind of funny. Oh, right. uh, <laughs> I actually find her pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, so... But in terms of where to start, I really recommend either John Mulaney or Dave Chappelle. Um, I think that they're really good entry points. But yeah, so, so for, for you, Zach, or for anyone in the audience, I think that... I mean, both of them have a lot on Netflix and other locations. Like, you can even find some of their stuff on, like, Spotify. Um, but, yeah. So, that's where I recommend to start. But, yeah. So, that's... I guess that's that's where I'll stop with my argument with you over stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly an argument, which I was kind of... <laughs> but it, it worked out well. I learned a lot. So, um, I'm, I'll have to check those out eventually. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to argue with you because all of your points are completely fair and subjective and so i I'm, i can't like tell you you're wrong necessarily because you're you're what you're describing is accurate uh <laughs> but at the very least i just want to put out a different perspective on why i love it as an art form so that's fair good discussion um yeah. I, that's all i have to say and that's enough about the topic you can uh you can you can give your rant now all right so Zach, today I really want to bring up how terrible LinkedIn is. <laughs> it's so terrible. Uh, I looked up a little bit about it. Uh, it was it was they started work like whoever founded it started working on like 2002. It, it, it launched in 2003, which is wild to me because I, if you told me that LinkedIn started 17 years ago, I would not have believed you. Yeah, right. That's insane. Um, but it was um. And, and all, but also of note, it's been owned by Microsoft since 2016, which somehow makes me like it even less. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not exactly a um, a merit, you know. It's something yeah. that they seem to kind of hide from. Yeah. Uh, it as of like June 2019, it has 630 million members, which is a lot of people. Um, <laughs> That is closer to a billion than it is to zero, for those of you who struggle with math. <laughs> uh, anyways, I have it. I hate it so much. <laughs> I essentially get on there once a month to be like, who looked at my profile? Because it's like a fun way that you can like see who stalked you. Um, right. And I was forced to create one in college like, for a class, which is fine. It's It's good that I have one. And now, like, every once in a while, my employer will be like, you should update that a little bit more. And then I will try to, but the user interface is so terrible that I will struggle with it. 
<sighs> I have a lot of complaints about it. Um, oh, I hope so. For one, I really think it is the worst aspect of like every social media. It is exclusively influencers. Anyone who actually posts on there is trying to build up a following of like being an insightful leader in their industry. And it's like... <sighs> I, don't, I don't even really have words. What, we don't need more influencers. I don't need to see your leadership things. I'm tired of seeing you post half at least half fake stories about these leadership lessons you're teaching your kids or your coworkers <laughs> or some weird story about how you invite people to an interview and then you made them sit in the lobby for 12 hours to see who's really committed that's a terrible story that's an abuse of the people applying for your job that's terrible i'm so tired of seeing all these people who like want to be Gandhi on LinkedIn, <laughs> you d your quotes aren't going to be in any textbooks in a hundred years. They're not going to be on anyone's mind, except for mine, because I'm so pissed about it, Any <laughs> immediately after they read it. It's ridiculous. No, I don't want to endorse your skills. No, I don't want to... Like, <laughs> what is going on on LinkedIn? I don't even really understand how it works. I feel like an old man when I'm using it. I understand... <laughs> Basically, how the other social medias work, like Twitter, it's like you post something, people who follow you can see it. Like, I, I don't know where these posts go. I don't. You're friends with people, and it's all exclusively just people trying to get something out of you. If it's a recruiter, they get money from companies for like getting you a job. You get something out of them for getting a job. The company's getting like it's all so transactional. It is not <laughs> wholesome. People try to be wholesome, and I hate it. And I, I love the uh, I love the idea that you presented of everyone on Instagram uh, on on LinkedIn as an influencer because yeah. then it it then it raises to mind the term LinkedIn influencer which is just so fantastic I'm gonna try to become a LinkedIn influencer I mean I I can't from you saying it so quickly I can't tell that I was looking up stuff about this and there already are people who call themselves LinkedIn influencers like they just take out oh, the, the second in. And they just so it's like LinkedIn and influencer is just LinkedIn influencer. I hate it. <laughs> that is a thing people call themselves on this platform. It's That's terrible. pretty bad. Uh, it's also like so. Here's the thing: influencers are a part of every social media, and we all hate them except <laughs> when there's someone we like, and then we're like, no, but this one's different. Uh, <laughs> but when it's everyone on LinkedIn, and it's like. I just don't, it's so fake. Like, no one, who, people just, I, I, in fact, some people will literally see in their posts, like, every, like, as they post their schedules, as all influencers do, they share their schedule because you can aspire to be like them. Um, it's like, I saw this one person saying that every day he wakes up at, like, 4 or 5 a.m. and spends the first hour of his day thinking of what wisdom to share on LinkedIn. And it's What a nerd. First what of all, a nerd. He's definitely not the only one because there's all these other influencers like posting like every day. And it's like they're doing that even if they make it sound like this was just stream of consciousness, whatever. You're right. Huge nerd. And it's like <laughs> there's this weird pressure that like you need to have something insightful to say. And frankly, most people don't have a lot of insight. I can still <laughs> like you, but you probably don't have anything worthwhile for me to hear. I can still enjoy talking to you. On a personal level, but I, d I don't need to see you tell me your management tips or how you handle your <laughs> raucous employees who keep on breaking your <laughs> rules or whatever. Everyone's a manager. Everyone's a leader. There's like, it's just, it, it isn't, to me, it's just such a fake version of how the world works. I kind of hate it. <laughs> um. You reminded me. I haven't been on my LinkedIn in months. Apparently, my <laughs> I just logged on. Apparently, my boss uh, want, wanted to connect with me, so I just I went ahead and drunkenly approved that connect request <laughs> with my boss. So that's good. Um, other than that, there's not a lot going on here on uh, on my profile. Here, okay. Here are two very specific examples of things that have happened to me that have made me hate the platform even more. One of which is I feel like I am like I need to update it, but it's such a poorly made website that there's been 
over 50% of the time that I try to update my profile, some error happens and it doesn't actually implement my update. Or I upload <laughs> a new professional headshot for my profile picture. It's like, oh, there was an error. This has happened on multiple computers on multiple internet connections. It's an issue with the website, I promise you. I have tried <laughs> to... Imp Another thing I hate is this is true of some jobs you apply for. Whenever you are supposed to both upload a resume and write out the portions of your resume for the people who don't actually want to click on that. I hate that. I don't mm -hmm. want to mm -hmm. have to describe to you what I did like three different ways. That's the worst. Yeah. I will say an interesting aspect of LinkedIn. I'm actually kind of convinced I lost a job offer over my lack of an updated LinkedIn profile. <laughs> uh, when I was still in college, it was applying to a bunch of different jobs. There was some kind of sales position I was applying for and things went like really well in an in interview I was in. And then in a follow-up email conversation, the guy who interviewed me was like, oh, hey, like, can I see your LinkedIn? I was like, yeah, sure. And I sent it to him. And then the next interaction I had with him was him saying, hey, we went a different direction. And I and the Ooh. thing is, my LinkedIn was <laughs> terrible. And so if he cared enough to ask and then he looked at it, clearly I do not keep up with my public image on any social media, but especially LinkedIn. And, and so I'm convinced that that was like actually an aspect of like him choosing not to go with me. And I'm not even mad because if I have to live a life where I'm expected to keep up with LinkedIn and post things and have it up to date, that is not a life I want to lead. <laughs> um, I, I, my LinkedIn is just, my LinkedIn is also really out of date. I have my current job just listed. I don't have any description of it, Yeah. but my profile picture is from years ago. And I look completely different. And also, I don't have a professional head sh headshot. So it's just a, a photo of me, like, really zoomed in. I'm with my whole family in a suit. Um, but I zoomed in all the way on my head to make my LinkedIn profile picture. And it's just, it's nothing. It's such a grainy, terrible photo. But my boss uses it in organization chart presentations at, uh, at work. And it's so funny because, first of all, it doesn't look like me anymore. And second of all, it's just like three pixels. So <laughs> I get a lot of ridicule at work for my LinkedIn profile picture. Okay, really quick. So I'm logging into LinkedIn right now because I was going to go stalk your profile. I am currently <laughs> pissed off because every time I go to this gosh darn website, <laughs> I... <laughs> It, it makes me go through a series of like 10 screens about like, don't you want to import your email contacts? Don't you want to follow all these topics? Don't you want to look at all these invites that people have sent you? It, it just like, I'm clicking skip, 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 skip. And it's, <laughs> it keeps on being like, no, but like, you really want to follow technology in the United States. It's like, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. I promise you, I don't care. Um... <laughs> I, oh, why am, I am having a hard time finding you, Zach. Oh, I found you. Look at you. I got that you. That is old and blurry as hell, Zach. You, you gotta, you gotta address that. <laughs> well, I just don't have a he professional headshot. And you know what? I don't need LinkedIn. Cause guess what? I got a job. <laughs> I don't need this website. Like, okay. I, I don't, and there's no reason for me to update it. I have, I have a career already, man. I don't need this shit. Can I just say that this is. The other aspect of LinkedIn that I hate, I'm really glad that you brought this up, which is, let's say, so I enjoy my job. I'm not currently looking to switch jobs. So you're right. I really don't have much incentive to update my profile, but there's an, a weird aspect to me, which is if I decide, you know what, it's time for me to switch jobs, then it will probably be time for me to update my LinkedIn amongst other things. Mm -hmm. And it will be like, will that be a sign to my bosses? Like, oh, this guy hasn't been updating his LinkedIn in two years at the company, but suddenly he cares a bunch about what his skills say. Like, is that a sign that I'm about to leave the company? Like, <laughs> do do I list? And like LinkedIn has a bunch of things that are like, oh, Zach, I just noticed you invited me to connect and I never accepted it. Yeah, uh, I invited you to connect and sent a really long, annoying message about three minutes ago. Okay. So I've, I've just been waiting. I've just, I sent you the message and ad, invited you to connect. And I've just been waiting for you to notice to talk about it on the air, but you acted like I did it months ago. No, I just did it like just I, now. I'm an old man. I don't know what's going on on this website. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I hate that message so much. Read uh, it. it says, Cause I forgot. I already forgot what I said. It says, Hey Paul, exclamation point. 
I'm just trying to grow my network with success-oriented leaders in the DFW community. I'm pleased to know like-minded professionals like you are making their mark on global progress. Zach, I hate that so much <laughs> on a deep level. I am triggered deeply that that is... I get. I actually have gotten messages like that. I see people post things. Ju- it's so... Do people not care about cliches? Cliches are the worst. Why do people just... Ch- it's so inauthentic and it's literally the worst. <laughs> I, I don't I don't have much more to say. I just I don't like using it and one day I'll have to use it if I'm like trying to switch jobs and then that's gonna like be an awkward thing of like, oh Paul suddenly is saying that he's looking for this kind of job, like <laughs> like okay. <laughs> uh man. That's all I've gotta say. Yeah, I don't have anything else to contribute to. I just I use LinkedIn almost never so yeah uh, it does suck i use it almost never because it's worthless and i hate it so yeah all fair literally the worst um what do you say that we do our first random rant in what feels like a a calendar year even though it's been only a month you know when i was thinking about the fact that it was only you and i doing this episode that is literally what i was most excited to do was a random rant together all right. Well, uh, I put I put the number random number generator uh, into effect here, and I got number one, which oh. uh, is a it's a submission from Dylan, uh, my friend Dylan. His mm-hmm. topic today is MTV's The Hills, which I don't know what that means. So <laughs> we may have to pivot if you know what, if you don't know what that is either. I have no idea what that is. Uh, you know what? Let's uh, just we're gonna stick with it. Um, I'm going to Google MTV The Hills, and we'll see. I, I imagine it's a show. Uh, let's see what we got. The Hills follows the personal and professional lives of several young adults living in Los Angeles. Looking for some stability in her life, Kristen attempts to mend fences with Audrina and Heidi, but a rumor about her hard-partying lifestyle gets in the way. <laughs> also adding unrest is her relationship with Brody, or lack of one. Now that he has his eyes on someone he's never been able to snare, Audrina. And no one has changed more than Heidi, who looks for the approval of her mother and friends after undergoing numerous cosmetic surgeries. She also has to decide if her marriage to Spencer, now acting more distant than ever, is worth saving. This series ran from 2006 to 2010. Uh, I have a few comments to make. First of all, Dylan... Um, I know you personally, so I can say this, and I don't, I don't think Paul has ever met you before. Um, you are the last person I could ever peg on earth to have ever watched a reality show on MTV called The Hills from 2006 about whatever bullshit I just read. I, I am, it's unfathomable to me that this is something that you would even know that exists, and frankly, I'm a little bit disappointed in you. I thought you were better than that. Um, second of all, I couldn't. If you asked me, if you gave me a pen and paper and said, Zachary, please write down the single most white names that you could ever think of. <laughs> and this is company coming from somebody named Zachary. I don't think I could come up with a list nearly as comprehensive as Kristen, Audrina, Heidi, Brody, and Spencer. That is that is just next level whiteness into one show. And if you look up it any... Really any picture of the hills on Google Images, you'll see that that's that's confirmed. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. the hills received moderately favorable review, moderately favorable reviews from critics, and has been recognized as a quote guilty pleasure by several media outlets. Dylan's probably a guilty pleasure of yours. It should be. <laughs> it, it couldn't be a straight up pleasure because that just doesn't make sense. I mean, what this frankly reminds me of is. So, so I, I know literally nothing about the hills other than what you just said to me. I had never heard of it before. Yeah, honestly. I've never heard of it either. But what? It, maybe with your friend Dylan, he's experiencing what I experienced in high school with the hit series Gossip Girl, which is that <laughs> my friends and I at some point uh, we sat down, we were we were just looking through things to watch. And I think it was on Netflix. Uh, we we noticed Gossip Girl. And we were like, haha, wouldn't it be funny if we watched Gossip Girl <laughs> the way that high school boys do? Uh, and we like watched an episode and we're like, Haha, wouldn't it be funny if we watched another episode? <laughs> and then suddenly we've watched like the entire first season of gossip girl. And we're actually like genuinely 
like captivated by what's happening with the characters. And so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, your friend here uh, experienced something similar, which is he went into it wanting to hate it, but then he was more, he was, he was almost ashamed of himself that he found himself loving it. That That's the only thing I can guess here. Yeah. That's about all I got. I, <laughs> Apparently, Jesus, I mean, this has 148 references listed on the Wikipedia page for this show. What? I mean, come on. What do you need to reference so much that your bibliography is 148 references long? That's insane. Let me... So I'm, I, I also ventured over to the uh, Wikipedia page. I will say... A name that came up is like a, a a creator of the show is Lauren Conrad, and I recognize that name, but I don't even know from where. Well, you can click on the good thing about Wikipedia is you can click on their names, and then it'll tell you what else they've done. <laughs> so let's see, let's see, Lauren Conrad, uh, Laguna Beach, the real Orange County, The Hills, uh, Family Guy, for some reason, uh, only only two episodes, I guess, uh, Epic Movie, Greek privileged bromance she was the on the 10th anniversary celebration of who wants to be a millionaire <laughs> america's next top what? model uh kathy griffin my life on the d-list punked life happens fashion police pop innovators and she was on an episode of the eric andre show which is maybe what you know her from that is what i know her from that was a really awkward episode because if people don't know what eric andre is He's like he's like basically almost a parody of like Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, where they get celebrities to come on like and then some celebrities know what it is, but some like their publicist was just like, hey, you should go on this like late night show. And then Eric Andre is an insane man who like so specifically Lauren Conrad, Eric Andre threw up on his desk and then started eating his throw up in front of her. And she walked off of uh, the set and then uh, never talked to him again. Jesus uh, Christ. <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing this YouTube video up now. That sounds horrendous. <laughs> Can I just say, though, in looking at... First of all, I am so glad we made that connection because I knew I recognized Lauren Conrad, but I did not know what from what. But can, what, can I also say that... Yeah, she's really pretty. Can I just say that, um, that apparently in 2019... MTV either <laughs> will screen. No. What? I'm watching this. This is a good episode. Oh, he has the great. coffee cup glued to his desk, and he, he like can't get it off. That's funny. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your point. No, you're fine. Apparently, they were reviving the Hills uh, in 2019. The Hills' new beginnings. Um, interesting. I don't know if she was on that. I, I think it's relevant <laughs> to this topic that, that I don't think Lauren Conrad was involved in New Beginnings. I don't think she did the spinoffs. She just did. Uh... Uh, okay, so that's good to know. <laughs> okay, I can't. I can't watch him. Th- oh, he's got lipstick now. What is he doing? Okay, I can't just. I can't just live announce uh, the Eric Andre show. If, if oh my so- god, this what? is ridiculous. I'm Clancy. Uh, I got to get out of this. I'm, I will be lost for the next four and a half minutes if I continue. To I will watch say, this if Conrad anyone scene. is like triggered by cringe comedy, I don't recommend the Eric Andre show. <laughs> uh, but he, man, the Lauren Conrad episode is next level. Like, what the hell is going on here? Um, and that's literally all I know her from. Is that Dylan? It's like a. <laughs> That was Go the ahead. best that we could do. Uh, we there's n- nothing else we can talk about. MTV's The Hills. I don't know why you even expect you, Dylan. You know me. I don't know why you would have expected that to be something I could I could talk about competently on the show. Man, I- I've learned um, a lot here today, though. Yeah. Uh, if if you want to suggest uh, random rant topics that either we will or will not be able to discuss in any comprehensive manner. You can do so uh, like Dylan did by emailing us at notallbadshow at gmail.com with a subject line random rant idea, and then uh, I'll have it added to the uh, the mystery list that we pull from uh, every episode. Uh, let's do the let's do positive rants, Paul. Let's do uh, it, and it's uh, and it's your turn to go first. That's me. I'm gonna keep it real simple, Zach. I I have come to start enjoying phone calls and looking forward mm. to them happening. Uh, this is this is almost certainly a quarantine-specific rant because I, I wasn't a huge fan of phone calls before, but this is a new experience for me. When someone tells me they're going to call me, 
instead of sitting with anxiety about like crap I have to talk to someone on the phone I I sit with eager excitement I get to hear a human being's voice today um I I never was even really like a big fan of meetings at work but suddenly like I'll have meetings with the other members of my company and I like look forward to it like I see a call and I look down and it says it's for my boss and I get like butterfly the good kind of butterflies in my stomach like I get to talk to someone right now um and I don't know, this is, and also I feel like phone calls used to be a thing where it was like, I wanted them to get to the point and I just wanted to get off of them real quick. And now it's like, what the hell am I going to do? Like sit and think about that phone call? No, like I, I would rather just <laughs> stay on the phone. So I'm okay. I'm even okay with phone calls droning on. It, this is a really weird experience <laughs> for me. Zach. I don't really know there what is, to make of it. There is almost nothing that I hate more than talking on the phone I, to the <laughs> point where like, I, um, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying and I will say succeeding that if you work with me and you call me on your cell phone, on my cell phone, I won't answer. (laughs) That is not really a smart business move. I'm sure there's plenty of LinkedIn posts about that. Um, (laughs) I don't answer my phone. And if I get, if I get a call at my desk phone at work, I look at the phone and I just kind of freeze. Like, you know, if you, if you're like scared of spiders or something and you see a spider and you just kind of freeze and, and you're yeah. trying to decide like, okay, do I, I guess I got to kill it. And you have to motivate yourself to go like get a tissue and kill it. Oh yeah. 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 Th- that's exactly how I look at my phone when my phone rings at work and I just sit there, I freeze and I just kind of stare at it while it rings and I make this, I have to consciously go, okay, you got to pick it up now. You, <laughs> you, you really need to just pick it up and say hello. Like I, it takes every ounce of effort for me to actually answer my work phone and my cell phone. All bets are off. I don't, if I don't have your contact saved, I don't answer my phone no matter what I won't. And we've talked about this before. I'm not going to pick up ever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... I can't relate at all. This is, it, I thought that I thought the controversy lied in my topic about stand up comedy, but no, it's right here about you saying that you like to talk on the phone. Well, Here's the thing. I would, I feel like I would be in 90% agreement with you before quarantine started, but I have, Man, this is the only way I get to talk to people. I, I I had the audacity to think that I was closer to being an introvert than extrovert before this, but that has been <laughs> heavily disproven because I am I I am looking I will look forward to calls with strangers. Someone calls <laughs> me, I'm like, I don't know who this is. Let's see it which granted makes it also extra betraying whenever it still is a telemarketer or like one of those spam calls. We, I've talked about those before. Those were already painful beforehand. Now that I'm actually excited for certain phone calls, when I when I answer it and hear like we've been trying to reach you about your car's extended <laughs> warranty, the, the 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 pure fury that fills my heart because it it tricked me is stronger than ever. Don't get me wrong. The phone calls still have the capacity to hurt me deeply. Right. But um, but man, I. <laughs> I will even enjoy a phone call with a stranger now. It's so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, that I don't think that could ever be me ever. I, I get that. I, I'm just saying I'm a changed man, Zach. I, I <laughs> my perspective has changed. It's quarantine does things to people. It does. Um, is that is that your? That, that, that's all I got to say. I, if if anyone listening to this knows me and has my number, just call me. I'll I'll talk to you. I'll enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for the record, if you know me and you call me, I'm I'm gonna enjoy it. If you it's if you don't know me, I don't. Yeah, want to talk for the to audience, you. unlike Zach, I actually value interaction <laughs> with you. Uh, so p- feel free to call me. I I don't encourage you to call him because he will make you feel terrible about, your, about yourself because he hates talking to you. I just want to answer. <laughs> uh, my positive rant today is over cocktails. Oh, which um I would never been a big to- big cocktail guy. But I went uh, last weekend and I went this weekend to the liquor store. And uh, in fact, I went to the liquor store twice yesterday alone. So (laughs) I'm kind of developing an issue here, I think. You know, (laughs) this is unrelated, but you know the the, um, when you drink orange juice after brushing your teeth and it's just the worst taste ever? Yeah. Um, I brushed my teeth and then had that experience not with orange juice but with beer today so let me tell you that things are really going south for the old zach andrews department i'm we're, we're crashing hard here um but i've gotten really into cocktails because i it just i wasn't into them at all 
Um, but in the past two weeks, I've gone to the liquor store, like I said, and uh, I think the total is about $200 in liquor that I've purchased nice. over the last 14 days. Um, so now I have a, an enormous collection of, of most um, anything that you'd want to make a cocktail out of. And I've just been experimenting. I bought a $4 app because that's who I am now. If you, if you, it's so funny that if you told me to buy um, a 99 cent app ever, and, and still today, I'd say no, absolutely not. <laughs> I refuse. But this uh, app was brought to my attention called Cocktail Party. It's $4 on iTunes. Um, and I bought it probably the first and last time I've ever purchased an app. <laughs> and you can put in all the liquor that you have. Or really anything. You just put all the ingredients that you have, mixers and stuff too, and it'll tell you what cocktails you can make. And and uh, it seems like, you know, probably not worth $4, but to me what makes it worth $4 is it'll tell you, um, it'll have a list of things that you can make with the ingredients you have, but it'll have a list of things that you can make with th- the things you can almost make with the ingredients you have. So like a certain type of margarita has agave nectar, in it but who has agave nectar right so it'll have a list of if it'll show up in your list of things you can almost make if say i have uh simple syrup but i don't have agave nectar well you can substitute simple syrup for agave nectar it's not going to be the same drink but it'll be close enough yeah so here's how you make the drink or um you need citrus bitters for this but you only have aromatic bitters you can make the same drink it's just not going to be exactly the same or um dark rum versus aged rum or whatever you know you can it, so it'll have like an entire list of things you can make and almost make and that's a, been a game changer i had probably a dozen different cocktails yesterday just trying them out um mm-hmm. i just got utterly sloshed in the comfort of my own home and it was great i had a great time i learned a lot um i found some really good ideas on on what to make for the future a blue hawaiian was my favorite yesterday a little bit of uh, uh a little bit of rum a little bit of uh, cream of coconut, a little bit of pineapple hmm. juice, and uh, some triple sec. You shake it all together, and it makes a fantastic uh, foamy tropical cocktail. So um, I had a great time. It, it is great. It's very good. And uh, I was just lounging around drinking a blue Hawaiian, wearing a blue Hawaiian shirt um, in my own home because I can't go anywhere or do anything or talk to anybody. But it was fun. It made the quarantine a lot better, and uh, I'm here for it. I, I was a big fan. Interesting. You know, it's funny you brought up the app because I I was searching for an app that would tell me what cocktails I could make with what I had the other night. And someone brought up that app, but I and instead of spending $4, I just texted a few of my friends and pestered them and said, hey, this is what I have. What do you think I should make? And they were like, shouldn't you be looking this up like with people who know things? And I was like, That's, I'm asking you instead. Uh, and so I, I'm probably going to end up getting that app because my friends are completely unhelpful, but it is fun, like making cocktails from things that you wouldn't think to combine. For example, um, the other night and again, right before this podcast, (laughs) I made a really (laughs) fun cocktail, which is, um, Red Bull tequila, triple sec and lime juice. And so it's all like, almost think like margarita, like a margarita, but except with Red Bull, and it is surprisingly good. Like you wouldn't think that would be like great, but like I'm 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 feeling pretty great, and I felt pretty great the first time I made it, and it tastes weirdly fantastic. So, um, it, it I agree. It's it's kind of fun to see what cocktails you can make from what you have. For the record, if you don't want to spend four dollars on an app, I found a website that you can do this almost the same thing. Okay, maybe a little bit less effectively. Um, it's also, um, it's a website, so it doesn't work quite as intuitively on mobile, which is helpful for cocktails. Yeah. So basically this is all to defend my $4 purchase, but if you don't (laughs) want to spend $4, almost the same thing is available at makemeacocktail.com. Interesting. Um, so, so if you don't want to buy, if you don't want to buy the app, you can go there as well. I figured that out. I learned about this website about 12 hours after paying $4 for an app. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, that's another resource you can use. I'm guess does the website have like can you create an account that will save it cuz I'm guessing part of the benefit of the app is that it saves what you have and you don't have to like re-input it every time. Correct. Uh it looks like you can. Um Okay. There's a login register 
button on this website, but I've, okay. I've never used it because I have a $4 app that I refuse to not use if I'm going to use it. Of course, of course. Oh, they have a makemeacocktail.com has a quarantini recipe. Oh, fun. 30 likes, 9 likes, which results in about, uh, sorry, 30 likes, 9 dislikes, and about <laughs> four and a half star rating. Um, this is only going to make sense to our European listeners because I know we have, that's like 80% of our listener base. <laughs> Uh, 30 milliliters of Contro. I don't know if I've eaten Cointro. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I don't know what that mm-hmm. is. 30 milliliters cranberry juice, 45 milliliters gin, 15 milliliters apple juice, and then you top the rest of the glass with champagne. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, there's, I don't know why that's a quarantini. There's no... I thought you'd put like emergency in it or something, but there's none of that. <laughs> it's just alcohol, so kind of disappointing. The hydro... Chloroxide is added as an ingredient. Right. Uh. <laughs> Just uh, crush up an Advil and sprinkle it on the top of the drink. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all I have to say about cocktails. I'm just uh, I've <laughs> I drank a lot before this quarantine, and I'm drinking uh, probably even less now. But it it I'm doing drinking in a different way, a more creative, artistic way now, because I'm cultured. Um, but that's that's where things stand right now as a. Uh, sad as it is Mm -hmm. really quick i just want to say i said like hydrochloroxide or something i was trying to say hydroxychloroquine like the thing that's been in the news that's what i was trying to say (laughs) okay i don't even know even after your correction i don't know what you're talking about you probably could have gotten away with it but it's like an anti-corona uh hypothetically uh medicine that it's like a malaria medicine. Anyway, that's not important. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one thing that we, we just pride ourselves on journalistic integrity here. We would never want to be wrong on the show. That's for sure. So I'm not glad you cleared that up. We, we've actually never been wrong. I dare you to go find something. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said before, we're available on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and Overcast. I'm almost certain I got them all this time. Um, I would encourage you to leave a rating and review on iTunes like uh, – D. Cole 95, I think their name was, did uh, for us last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can find us on Twitter at Not All Bad Show. And you can email us if you want to be a guest or have a random rant right on the show at notallbadshow at gmail.com. Uh, I hope you like what you heard today. If you did, please tell a friend. That would be fantastic. We can continue to grow the show. We had a big spurt last week after the Hinge dating episode. Um, and I'd like to see that continue. So let people know if you like what you heard today. Yeah, please do. We we enjoy tension. <laughs> I I thrive on it. I, it's it's my <laughs> lifeblood. With all that being said, this has been episode thirty nine of Not All Bad, and uh, I'm Zach Andrews. And this is Paul Messman. Dance like nobody's watching. Rant like nobody's listening. <laughs>